understand how complete, how full, how perfectly the Lord made it possible for us to not only have a relationship with Him, but to have our sins taken care of. And that's what we're going to discuss. Uh, I trust each of you have a insert that was in the bulletin and t- with the title of the message, Finished Work of Christ on the Cross. Now when you think about your salvation, you need to keep in mind that there's only one Savior, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the same time, there are multitudes of religions in our world. And when you think about Christianity, I I like it when people say, you know, Christianity is not a religion. Well, the world looks at it as a religion, but Christianity, true Christianity, is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. World of difference. In fact, the religions of the world, and I'm going to mention several here for just a moment, talk about working in order to be right with their God. The Bible says we don't work, we don't do anything to earn salvation because Jesus paid for it on the cross as we heard sung just a little while ago, right? He paid for it and we accept him, we believe in him. Now, um, Islam has as their religious book the Koran and the Koran teaches that salvation comes by sincerity in the person and works. It comes as a result of living a life of good deeds as well as keeping the five pillars of the Islamic faith. And technically speaking, you have to keep all five. And the last one's a trip to Mecca. And if you can't make it to Mecca, you have to find someone who can do it for you within Islam. Unless I'm reading what they say wrong. Okay, So you have to keep the five pillars of the faith and you have to commit and perform good deeds which in turn their God would um, accept you into his heaven. There's only one true in God and it's not the God of Islam. Hinduism says salvation is released from the wheel of life, the circle of rebirth through which we must better ourselves and realize um, that someday a person who is a part of Hinduism can become one with Brahman or the ultimate reality, their supreme God. So there's uh, what we call reincarnation. There's a series of births, deaths, and rebirths. And through the process of these births, deaths, and rebirths, Uh, There comes what is known as the purification of a person till the day comes when they would not have to be reborn again and again. That teaching is totally totally contrary to the Word of God because Hebrews 9, 28, which says, It is appointed unto man once to die, one death, not multiple deaths, not reincarnation, and after this, the judgment. Buddhism... uh, The teaching of these non-Christian religions is is really um, something to see. It really is. Some people say, well, you know, all religions agree. I mean, friends, that kind of a statement is just not true at all. They don't all agree. They do agree on one thing. They have to work in order to be right with their God. Christianity, you're right with God through your faith in the one who went to the cross for you. We'll see that in just a moment. 
But Buddhism says that there's no such thing as sinning against a supreme being. That's very interesting because God said in his word, Romans 3.23, together, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. But in Buddhism, they don't have to worry about it because they don't believe in sinning against a deity. And of course, Buddha himself died and he was cremated. Our Savior died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. And we live today in fellowship with him. That's why against this backdrop of the religions of the world, we enjoy what the Bible talks about as the finished work of Jesus Christ. You have that study sheet in front of you. And we put a statement there. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are forgiven of all our sins, we're reconciled to God, and we're made ready for heaven. All three of those, they're, they're important verbs. Very important. And of course, this is verified by the truth of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 through 24. If you have your Bibles in hand, I'm going to read it nice and slow, Hebrews 10, 12. But this man... After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, now notice, one sacrifice for sins. He doesn't sacrifice for sins over and over again in a mass. He died once. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God, and we will see Christ at the right hand of the Father in heaven. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, watch verse 14. For by one offering his sacrifice on the cross, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified or set apart unto him. You'll notice now that the believer in Jesus is perfected forever. So, uh, ladies, if your husband's a Christian, he's perfect. But men, if your wife is a Christian, she's perfect too. In God's sight, positionally, positionally before God, as God looks at you as a Christian, because you went to the cross and asked Jesus to be your Savior, he looks at you as one having had your sins forgiven, and we will go through these uh, as we look into the Word of God this morning. In fact, because of the finished work of Christ, you'll notice on your study sheet, there's the word forgiveness, regeneration, justification and glorification there's other things that come to us as a result of the work of Jesus Christ but how awesome that when we come to the table this morning it's just an awesome thing to observe communion together it's something that the Lord gave to us this is not a religious ritual the Lord gave to us the bread to eat together and the fruit of the vine to eat together and when we do that we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he went to the cross, he, he, he gave himself, the bread represents his body, and he died in a very cruel way, rather, and his blood was poured out for you and for me. The work of Christ. Oh, it's awesome. Now, the first thing we normally think about when we think about communion is forgiveness of sin. And uh, we have a statement here, and uh, you'll notice in each of these uh, words there's a little something to fill in there. Uh, forgiveness releases those who trust Christ as Savior from paying the debt of their sins. Now this is saying a lot. This is saying a lot. 
Sin is disobedience to God. Sin is breaking God's law. And we'll see this in just a moment. We'll repeat that. But the point is, all of us have sinned. We looked at that verse, 3.23. We've mentioned it. All of us have sinned and fallen short of glory. But Jesus, when he went to the cross, he paid the price for my sin, for your sin, for our sins. And uh, we do not have to pay the price for our sins. In fact, key verse is Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see, forgiveness is its big, okay? When you come to the table this morning, if you can only remember, if you can't remember these four words that are here, if you can remember the word forgiveness, you're going to say, Lord, I just thank you for forgiveness. Remember the psalmist prayed in one of the psalms, Lord, forgive me of the sins of my youth. Uh, Lord, when I was a youth, I wasn't doing things that, at times that were displeasing to you. And the psalmist, guided by the Holy Spirit, wrote that down. Lord, when I was younger, I did things that I wished I hadn't have done. But our Lord's such an awesome God. Now, we always do need to keep in mind the fact that sin must be confessed and repented of and forsaken. Proverbs 28:13 says, "He who covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy." Don't miss that verse. That's a very important verse. Proverbs 28:13. The one who covers their sins shall not prosper. In other words, the blessing that we could experience in our lives as believers, if we're not willing to say, "Lord, Here's something I've done displeasing to you. I repent of that sin. I know it's wrong before you. Would you forgive me? The Lord looks at the sincerity of the heart. And probably we could have a testimony service of how the Lord has forgiven us of our sins. But you know, we have an enemy of uh, the soul of a believer. And that's Satan. And what does he like to do? He likes to remind us of our past sins. In fact, you say, is there a verse of Scripture that tells us that? Yes, there is. Revelation. I believe it's chapter 12 where it says, Satan is the accuser, accuser of the brethren. In fact, he can even go into the presence of God, which is, to me, an amazing concept to kind of work out in my own mind and thinking, and say something like, well, what about that believer down there in Louisville? You know, they're saved, but... Uh, look at their thought life or look at some of the things that they're doing or look how they're working for their boss. Um, you know, Satan is the accuser of the brethren and uh, he likes to not only accuse us before God, but he likes to bring up and remind us of our past sins. But we, we read this morning, and that's another reason we read it, of Jeremiah 31. January 21st is Squirrel Appreciation different, isn't it? It's a good place to have it. We're talking about Satan. He knows how to interrupt. But the beauty of the Jeremiah 31 is their sins and your iniquities. The Lord says, I will remember no more. And so when you get to heaven, uh, don't think that you're going to be standing before the Lord and the Lord's going to be beating you up about your sins of the past. You say, well, why do you say that? Because the Bible says, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, He has forgiven all of our sins. 
Okay? That's very clear in Scripture. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ suffered once for sins, the just were the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So again, when you keep this in mind, there's only one thing that separates a person from God, and that's sin. And there's only one thing a person has to have done in his or her life in order to have a relationship with God is to have the sin removed. Remember John the Baptist said, when he saw Jesus, even before Jesus went to the cross, here's what John said. There goes the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. When you come to Jesus Christ, it is amazing. You need to keep in mind forgiveness. Forgiveness means that you as a believer no longer face eternal condemnation for your sin. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How awesome. Now sometimes people have trouble defining sin. In fact, uh, you will, if you notice, um, kind of see how often you hear the word sin used. It's not used much out in society today. People talk about mistakes and errors and um, things that hap- just happen that are wrong. But do you hear the word sin used much? Not really. Not really. In fact, um, the amazing thing is, why did Jesus Christ come? He stated very clearly, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister or to serve and to give his life a ransom for sin. Jesus came to deal with our sin. Very, very important. In fact, there's something else we need to keep in mind in relationship to sin and why we're so thankful for forgiveness of sin is that uh, sin is serious because all sin is ultimately against God. You say, well, can't you have a human being who sins against another person? Oh, certainly, yes. But when a person sins against another person, ultimately, that sin is against God. And uh, here's where the difficulty comes in. When you and I are sinned against, we have to learn, and we're taught by the Lord, to be forgiving, right, to those who sin against us. In fact, the Lord mentioned this in uh, Matthew 5 and 6, both. Uh, He said that uh, if we... Do not forgive others their trespasses. The Father in heaven will not forgive us. You say, wait a minute, you just said that he forgives all our trespasses. That's true. But there is a judicial forgiveness of sins, and there's a family forgiveness of sins. When you trust Christ as Savior, you are forgiven your sins and you're ready for heaven. But if you do not confess sins as a believer, it can hinder your fellowship with your God. So it's stated this way. There's judicial forgiveness. You say, I'm saved. I've been to Christ. And he's forgiven me of my sins. That's true. But in our walk with the Lord, it's possible, uh, certainly, that we can sin and we need to confess those sins. 1 John 1, 9. Hey, let's do that one together, too. 1 John 1, 9. Here we go. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you do that for us. Sin must be atoned for because we have a holy God, and the only one who can pay the price for sin is Jesus Christ because there's only one payment for sin. The wages of sin is death, 
And Jesus experienced that death for you and me. He took our place when he died on the cross. What an awesome Savior we have. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. But God showed his love towards us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What an awesome thing. If you want to think about the subject of forgiveness, we, we use the terminology here, God releases those who trust Christ as Savior from paying the debt of their sins. Wow. If we just stopped there, we could go right to the table right now. Say, thank you, Lord, for what you have done for me. Quickly, regeneration is the work of God giving a new nature to those who trust Christ as Savior. It is a new birth. It's a spiritual birth. In fact, um, Titus 3, 5 says this, and I'll read it nice and slow. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. In other words, we're not saved by our works. Remember, all the non-Christian religions say you have to work, you have to do something to be right with their God. But it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Lord did a work in your life. And he forgave you of your sin, but he also gave you God's life, spiritual life, and put you in the family of God. It's an awesome thing. Actually, regeneration regeneration means to be born again. Remember Jesus said, except the man be cannot enter the kingdom of God. So regeneration is an awesome truth in the New Testament. It's the act of God. It's something that he does to save us from sin, but to give us a new life, spiritual life. Regeneration produces new life. Whosoever believes in him, John 3.16, has everlasting life. You and I have within us today, when we come to the table, we're going to be thankful we have God's life. Very, very important, vitally important that we understand that truth. Um, in fact, the, the, the point is this, and I'm going to tie another verse in just quickly, Second Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, or any person is in union with Christ, he becomes a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things become new. In other words, the Lord just doesn't take people and improve them. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, well, so-and-so, such-and-such a person needs to uh, straighten up. They need to get some bad things out of their life. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is I come to Jesus and say, Lord, I want you to take my sins away. I want you to forgive my sins. I repent of my sins before you. The next word, quickly, is the word justification. And that's the act of God by which a sinner who believes in Christ or trusts in Christ is declared righteous. In other words, justification is an awesome word. It's used in Scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How awesome. We're justified. We're made righteous. Now, don't miss this. There is a sense in which only God is righteous. There are verses of Scripture that say, Lord, you're the righteous one. But when we trust Christ as Savior, he not only removes our sin, 
but he looks at us as being righteous or clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's 2 Corinthians 5.21. In fact, Dr. Chafer, the founder of Dallas Seminary, uh, said this, and he put it this way. Dr. Chafer said, to forgive sin means subtraction. But to justify one who believes is addition. In other words, the Lord does forgive our sins and he takes it away. But at the same time, he gives us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Remember we looked at that verse at the very beginning? We talked about being perfect in Christ. Wow. We have a righteousness. That gives you the capacity, see, to love God. That gives you the capacity to love his word. That gives you the desire to pray and to seek your Lord. Justification. You are declared righteous in God's sight. I like that and I'm going to repeat it. And um, To forgive means subtraction while to justify means an addition. The Lord gives you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I, I, I read that someone said it this way, and I like this a lot. Someone said, an earthly judge can pardon a man. See? Earthly judges do that. By the way, be praying for the confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh. Very important. It's going to affect a lot in the future. We need to pray for him to be appointed as a Supreme Court judge. I can't go into a lot of details on this, but there is tremendous. The day he was announced to be the next possible Supreme Court judge, the things that were said about him and slander that was given in relationship to this man who's been upright before God and supported the Constitution of the United States. But a human earthly judge can pardon a person, but cannot make that person who's pardoned righteous. But God, you see, he does both. He forgives us of our sins, and he declares us to be positively righteous. He gives us a new nature, a new capacity to love and to please God. The last one that I want to mention is glorification. Oh, wow. Uh, this is the final stage in God's work of salvation when he cleanses us from all sin in heaven. Don't you think it's going to be wonderful when you get to heaven that you're not going to sin anymore? I mean, really. <laughs> it's going to be awesome to be in a place where you don't have to worry about where you walk. You don't have to worry about who's around you. You don't have to worry about what you say because you are going to be made like Christ, as the Bible says. That's what glorification is. Romans chapter 8, verse 30 says, Those he called, he has also justified, declared righteous, given the righteousness of Christ. And those he justified, those he also glorified. And that's what we are looking forward to. We're looking forward to heaven. Now, the interesting thing, just a little observation of the text of Scripture, which you want to learn to enjoy as you read your Bible. It says, Those he justified, he also glorified. Past tense. Now, wait a minute. None of us are in heaven yet. But Paul said, you're, all, all, you're glorified. It's such a certain thing that we're going to meet in heaven and see the Lord and be like him. He put it in the past tense. He was guided by the Holy Spirit to say, you are also glorified. 
what a wonderful truth this is. It really is. We know we're going to be in glory. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to see him. We're going to be like him. All because the salvation that the Lord has provided for us has been so complete. In fact, here's what you need to keep in mind because probably every one of us who are here today are praying about somebody who doesn't know Christ as Savior. We're praying, okay? God is in the life-changing business. When he saves someone, he saves them completely. And they're ready for heaven. In fact, they're given a new nature and a capacity to live to please God if they will live in fellowship with him. Salvation is awesome. It's very complete. We're forgiven. We're given new life. We're, we're declared righteous. Someday we're going to be in heaven with the Lord. And we will be like him and we will see him as he is. I mean, this is saying a lot. And it all comes by faith. You see? By, by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. God wants us to believe what he's told us in his word. He forgives us. He gives us new life, regenerates us. He declares us righteous. And he promises someday to take us to heaven, be in glory with him. And uh, I may go before you go, and I'll be looking for you. Let's pray before we come to the table.